Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, yeah. And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome in, Saints fans. Inside Black and Gold, Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak, and we've got free agency week kicking in. Hey y'all, this is Jeff. A quick note, we recorded this Monday afternoon. Since we recorded, there have been a few signings, so I wanted to update that rather than confuse everybody. Jameis Winston is reportedly returning to the Saints as a backup. Marcus Davenport has reportedly agreed to a contract with the Vikings, and Caden Ellis has reportedly agreed to a contract with the Falcons. So rather than put out a whole new podcast... Here is an update. Keep in mind, anything said in this podcast was recorded prior to those three deals. Thanks, y'all. I know we got a little bit of bookkeeping to do, too, with some extensions being done with players. There's been renegotiations of contracts. And we've also seen, Jeff, a couple of Saints heading to new homes already during this, I love the term of it, legal tampering period has now opened for free agency. So dumb. (laughs) <laughs> like, you might as well just start free agency today. Like, it's so, so stupid that it's like we pretend that it's not going. We're going to talk a lot about that. Um, teams can agree to contracts with players. They don't become official until Wednesday at about 3 p.m. Central Time. And so, you know, I guess it's like you don't want to be too down that road in case, you know, there's like a change of heart, which I don't know if I can recall ever happening but I guess it could theoretically um, before then. So we're going to talk about that in the first segment. We're going to get into a lot of what's happened today and over the past few days. There's been a lot of moves in the NFC South, not necessarily by the Saints, but they have already made their splash. And we got to talk to Derek Carr on Saturday. Not the best timed press conference of of all time, but, you know, it was a long one. He talked for 50 minutes, and that's 5-0. Then he went over and talked to Bobby and Mike Haas, for another 20 minutes. So, I mean, he put in his time. He also was at the Pelicans game and he talked to Jen Hale on the sideline. Like he's, he's doing the whole thing. And I think it's commensurate with the, the, the impact of such a move. Like it's a big move. It's been a long time since the Saints have made such a big time free agent signing. And so in honor of that segments two and three of this here podcast, we're going to go through what I call kind of the top quotes from his press conference. Obviously sitting through a 50 minute press conference is not something that everyone wants to do. So we did it for you. And we're going to kind of tease out what we consider to be some of the bigger statements, 
takes, whatever you want to call it. Right. And so we're going to get into that in the second and third segment. But first, there are some things that happened today that we have to get into. And it starts with the defensive tackle position, Mm. which the Saints effectively no longer have. Skyrocketing up the NFL draft board. Defensive tackle. It's funny because we did the free agency predictions that closed last episode. And I was half right. Right. I like I had a feeling that Ryan Nielsen was going to get his team, the Falcons, where he is now the defensive coordinator and have a ton of cap space to overspend at a level that the Saints will not be able to match. So it won't even be a conversation. And I thought it was going to be with Marcus Davenport, which it could still be. But today that happened for David Onyemata, who got a three year, thirty five million dollar contract at age 30. And, you know, good for him. Good for David. He got his bag. The Saints were never going to pay that type of money to keep him around, but now they do have to face him twice a year, uh, and that's that's tough. The the move, obviously, you know, it it makes sense in the aspect where you, you knew the the Falcons could outbid the Saints, and then the detraction of Ryan Nielsen now being over there, not only as defensive coordinator, his D line coach, obviously has a and great. Terry relationship. Fontenot is the GM. <laughs> obviously, yeah, there's that great relationship there. It's curious to see now what's going to happen with Davenport because I th- I felt like we both were both kind of on that bandwagon I guess you would say of like if out of those two if we had to keep one we'd want to keep Onyemata and we I, I was thinking that that would be the case and let you let Davenport kind of walk now it's interesting do you kind of have to keep Davenport to maybe put in that defensive tackle mix yeah I mean for perspective. David was coming off of a three-year, $26 million contract, which he signed at age 27, and I would argue at a point that he was playing at a much higher level than he has the last two seasons. He's still a very good player, but I I mean, I don't think that he's... I think he's peaked, right? Like, I think he is past his prime to some extent. Like, he's on the backside of his career, and yet he is signing a significantly larger contract. And, like, that's that's exactly what I was saying in last week's episode of, like... The Falcons had the money and they have to spend it, right? Like they have $52 million in cap space. Yeah. Like they're going to spend it. And so they, one of the things they did was they gave Onyemata $11 million a season. He is one of only 16 defensive tackles in the entire NFL to average more than $10 million a season. So, I mean, I think it's, you That's know, if you follow Nick right. right on Twitter, he will tell you that the reason that this happened is because the Saints are irresponsible and the way they manage their cap is unsustainable <laughs> and whatever. But I will say, even if they were in a perfect cap situation, I don't think they would have spent the money on David the way the Falcons did. And Ryan Nielsen wanted his guy, and he got his guy. Shout out to Cam Jordan for uh, you know recognizing his you know now former teammate, but saying you know the the money involved in that. He's like, go ahead and chase that that paper. He he gets it, yeah. obviously. Cam, but Cam uh, has been more active than ever on Twitter lately. He's reacting to I- everything. And he's on vacation in Spain. It's like, what are you doing? I think that's why he's going like, kind to of board. He's just sitting poolside or by the, you know, by the water. Got to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's drinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> like he's on vacation, so he's shipping champagne, being like, ooh. Let me see. Let me see what this crazy team's going to add while I'm on vacation here. Yeah, but no. So, so David wasn't alone either. Shy Tuttle, which you know, I'm, I wasn't surprised that the David Onyemata deal, just because like we knew Ryan Nielsen was going to go after his D-line. It was an inevitability. Right. I did not expect Shy Tuttle to get what I consider to be a pretty gigantic deal for a guy who, you know, has been good but hasn't been great. 
He signed with the Carolina Panthers, or they have agreed, it's not official until Wednesday, for three years, $19 million. You know, for a UDFA out of Tennessee, it's been impactful, but not a what I would consider to be a a gotta have it type player. He 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 made his money. He's going back to North Carolina, well, where he's from, and good for him. You know, it, again, it's like a situation that it's like I'm not mad. Good for these guys. I question the decision making of the Panthers to to shell out that type of money for a guy who I I don't think has proven that much in the NFL other than, you know, obviously he's a guy the Saints are going to always remember, Saints fans, because he, you know, stiff-armed Matt Ryan into the dust the on Thanksgiving. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, like like that's that's a clip that you will never, that will live forever in like Saints lore. But now he's with the Panthers and it, it leaves the Saints with, and we just looked this up, zero defensive tackles <laughs> on their active roster um, because Malcolm Roach, is also a free agent and he's going to test his market. I think he will probably come back. And because I think the Saints have to pay him based because they want to have somebody that I don't know knows how to get to the facility. <laughs> but that position, man, if we were wondering what they were going to do in the draft, we were already saying defensive tackle was likely. Now I, I think it's like you don't never want to have to draft based on need. But like when you have zero players at a position, what else are you going to do? The biggest thing, obviously, it's, you know, that, that quote unquote continuity, you know, you're losing up front there, but it hasn't been all that great. Uh, and that's why it was a position of need already. So the the positive I'll take from it is, you know, best, well, not really the best of luck to Onyamata. <laughs> Out with the old, we need in with the new kind of thing. And yeah, I'm sorry to say, uh, you know, fun guy to cover. He was, he was pretty, you know, quiet, low key, but one of those nasty dudes when you got on the field that was, uh, always pretty vocal and getting really up in guys' faces it was kind of funny to see that from him. You know, the Canadian football of kind of the Manitoba you know, Mahler. Yeah, that that project player that you saw some early development and that pro that promise. But yeah, like you said, I feel like he kind of has reached his peak. I don't think there is that. There's a next level, to David Onyemata. Yeah, I mean, he was a fourth-round pick back in, I want to say, 2016, right? Like, he he was a quality player, spent a lot of time here. Um, Saints liked him, and, you know, he's a good guy. You know, he's one of those guys that you talk to, and you always are amazed at how soft-spoken he is, considering how gigantic he is, right? Yeah. Um, he did have his troubles. Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, right. He did have his trouble the last few seasons, right? He's been suspended twice. And, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. Um I, I tweeted this and I, I do I do mean it. It's like in a, in a season where defensive tackle was a strength, I would be more concerned losing your entire interior defensive line in one offseason. I would argue that it was among the weakest positions on this team last season. And while you obviously have to find quality replacements, I think you probably were going to have to do that anyway. So it does up the ante a little bit and and puts a lot more pressure on filling those spots and making sure that you identify really good prospects in the draft. You know, maybe Jordan Jackson is a guy. You drafted him last year. Maybe he can be a player that you, that you bring back and the uh, kid out of Air Force, sixth round pick. Maybe he's a guy that you that you look at. But um, yeah, you got to do something. And so hopefully, you know, Todd Grantham uh, has already identified a few a few prospects that he can that he can hit there. Yeah, that's like you said, it was a huge need going in, I felt like, and obviously it becomes 
bigger now, but more of, you know, just the, like we mentioned, there's, there is no bodies right there right now. So we, we're not even looking for depth here, folks. <laughs> nope. You know, you're looking for starters. <laughs> right. Um, and so we can kind of run through the rest. So a couple other moves, obviously, Von Bell is headed to the Panthers. That's going to be another, it's like just another player that you're going to have to see, right? There's going to be a lot of matchups next season where you're like, I remember that guy. It's just interesting. What What is he doing going to Carolina? I understand they're paying, but why? I think you just answered the question. You believe in what they're doing with that draft, that draft pick? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. the and, and as you mentioned, the Panthers have also traded for number one. And we, we, when, we were on Sports Talk, when we were on Sports Talk the other day, I was saying, I really hope you didn't just trade for number one and not have any idea who you're going to draft. But now it sounds like they might flip back because they don't know who they're going to draft. Which, we, why we, make that trade if you I still was, don't know who your quarterback is? I was absolutely dying laughing when I saw the Panthers now are suddenly going to, well, we might be able, we might consider moving down from that spot. It's like, what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. Why don't you just trade up to three or something? Like I'm sure the Cardinals were like, the Cardinals don't need a quarterback. There's no way that they were not open to potentially uh, getting offered a huge deal from the Panthers. It's just strange. If you were okay with drafting the, the number three quarterback off the board, then you could have just tried to trade up to three instead of one because I don't think they got a good deal on the one. Please. I mean, everybody talked about how that the Carolina deal, they just got robbed. And, you know, obviously good for Chicago. We'll see what they do with the, all the ammunition and draft picks they get. But the, that whole sweetener of adding the DJ Moore in that was just ridiculous. Right. Who I would argue is probably a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL, right? And it's like the whole point of drafting players is to hope you get that guy. You already have that guy. Exactly, right. <laughs> it's just so bizarre to me. And it's and now they're like, well, maybe we'll just trade back. I'm like, what? And then, so, well, I saw supposedly to the owner and the head coach, they have different beliefs on who should be one. Great. That sounds wonderful. What could yeah, go it sounds wrong? Like it's going, sounds like it's going real well. Anyway. Nick Wright will be on them soon enough. No, he won't. Because he's, he's only focused on the Saints being, quote unquote, unsustainable. Anyway, so we can move on from that. Uh, there was a few other moves. Alvin Kamara and Cam Jordan reportedly both restructured their deals today. Cam Jordan, it saved him about $10 million. Alvin, it saved them. Well, we don't know exactly on Alvin yet. The, the particulars aren't out. It's probably going to save them around $7 million, which if you also restructure Marshawn, which I'm surprised hasn't happened yet, it probably will have happened by the time this podcast posts. I, I believe it's happening as it happened as we're talking. I oh, really? Thought, yeah, really. Great. Trying to keep up, keep up with the Twitter sphere. Sorry. Fantastic. Well, it was an inevitability. Like I'm saying this now, whether it has happened or not, we know what's going to happen. And that should put them at cap compliant. And they might have a few dollars one way or the other. There's a dead cap hit coming from David Onyemata now because he's gone. That was not there previously. And that's why if you were trying to figure out if they could resign him, that was a factor of like, if you had resigned him and extended him, you could have pushed that cap hit back. That's going to be another dead cap charge that they have to navigate. The Saints also signed JT Gray, three years, 9.6 million, and signed Jawan Johnson to a pretty hefty, I would argue, two years, 12 million. Like that's a that's a solid contract for UDFA a couple of years ago, who wasn't even a tight end. Uh, definitely, you could say a, a guy that earned it from you know being the receiving touchdowns leader last season. Uh, the work he puts in, tons of respect uh, for Jawan, talking about that transition of going from wide receiver to tight end and 
admitted, you know, that it's been a struggle, not a struggle, I guess it's, you know, a, a challenge to learn this new position because of what all is involved now in being a tight end compared to even a receiver. He said, like, you know, you got to be like this, one of the smartest guys on the field playing this position. You're playing two positions, and right. A, a guy, too, that you see with his, – he's got a family he's starting with. You know, I just saw he had a baby born. A uh, fun guy that beginning of games, you always see him on the field juggling. Just a, a presence around this team that's always been a positive light, and I think that's great because a, a dude that's always around in the locker room, too, makes himself available. And, yeah, I mean, if his, his arrow is still on the way up, too. I don't think we've seen peak, peak Juwan. For sure. It's impossible to associate with Juwan and talk to Juwan and be around Juwan and not really like Juwan. Like he's yeah, just very a likable. very, very likable person and it's good for him. You know, they didn't have to pay him six million a year, right? Like to me, that's an indicator that they are very invested in him. They brought in a new tight ends coach. You never know how that kind of relationship is going to go. But to me, that's an indicator that Clancy Barone, the new tight ends coach, is very excited to work with Juwan Johnson because like again, he was a UDFA a couple of years ago. They converted him to tight end. They are invested in him now. Like that was Sean Payton back when that was happening, right? So good for him. Really, he deserves that deal. And so I'm excited to see what he can do. We did talk about like before we came on. I do think that might change your perspective in the draft a little bit in terms of I still think you try to bring in a tight end. Maybe if a guy you really like falls, maybe to the third or fourth round. But I don't know, like if a guy like Dalton Kincaid, probably the top tight end in the draft, falls to you at 29, even 40. I, I think it'd be really difficult to pull the trigger on tight end that early, knowing the holes you have, particularly at defensive tackle and running back. And we've heard it from Daniel Jeremiah, and I forget another source. It's just everybody is raving about, obviously, how deep this year's class of tight end is. And so, yeah, third, fourth round, maybe you could consider it, but I think those early round selections you have a little bit more pressing needs probably than you know the, the tight end position unless it was something that they absolutely fell in love with a guy that that happened to drop down to him I guess but yeah it would, it would seem more of a later round pick than something you'd address early on yeah and you do still have Adam Troutman and while he might have an underwhelmed relative to his draft positioning he's still a reliable blocking tight end. I can I compare him to Josh Hill. He's going to do a lot of the same things, but you, you could still upgrade at that position. I think um, kind of going forward or I guess going backwards. So those are the signings, obviously JT gray, special teams, ace. I, I felt it was really important to retain him. So I'm glad the saints did. And then Jawan, they've also re-signed Tano Passigno, Keith Kirkwood, Calvin Throckmorton. They did that previously. And I, I mean, that's about it in terms of what we've seen from the saints thus far. I think, it's not surprising to me that they are kind of sitting in the background right now. I think that's just how they operate. Generally speaking, there've never been a team that makes a huge splash in the first couple days of free agency, especially knowing that they already made that splash with Derek Carr. But one team that did make a, a splash that's worth mentioning is the Raiders who have signed Jimmy Garoppolo to replace Derek Carr. Bizarro and, world, man. Yeah. And I don't think that's surprising, but this is kind of funny and, we talked about this before we came on, and I just want to kind of spell it out. I compare Josh McDaniels and Dennis Allen to like they are so similar in terms of their career trajectories, in terms of like they're both getting a second chance at being a head coach, even though it really, really went poorly for them the first time. Josh McDaniels is a head coach for the Raiders now. Dennis Allen used to be the head coach for the Raiders. 
and even this offseason, <laughs> both guys brought in a new quarterback, but it's not really a new quarterback. Dennis Allen was the head coach of the Raiders, and they drafted Derek Carr in the second round in 2014, right? Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach of the Patriots when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in 2014 in the second round. <gasps> it, I, I know this means nothing in the grand scheme of things, but it's wild to me how like that that's like that's not a coincidence. I, I guess it is a coincidence, but it's a wild coincidence. And they're in such similar situations, like both guys. Now, I would say, you know, you're going into this season. You struggled last year. I mean, did the Raiders also go 7-10? and 10? That would be funny. Let's see. 6-11. and 11. Close. Yeah. So, Josh McDaniels in the first season of his second and, I would argue, maybe not merited head coaching tenure, went 6-11, and 11, got rid of his quarterback, and brought in the guy that he, you know, maybe not technically drafted because Bill Belichick is the you know, kind of handles the draft, but your quarterback's coach is out. If you're going to draft a quarterback in the second round, when you already have a voice in that room for sure. Right. Right. Like he's, it's because your quarterback's coach was like, let's go draft this guy. Right. (laughs) And so he's bringing in Jimmy G, the guy he's comfortable with Dennis Allen, the exact same way, you know, they had a guy under, under center in Jameis Winston, who the previous head coach had been like, yep, this is the guy in, in, in Oakland or in Las Vegas. That was Gruden. In New Orleans, that was Jameis Winston. I'm sorry, that was Sean Payton with Jameis Winston, right? These are both Super Bowl winning head coaches, <laughs> offensive guys who who were like, this is the quarterback we can win with. <laughs> and then got replaced and they brought in their own guy. And now you're in a situation, I would argue, both of those guys where there's no more excuses. Either you win or you don't. And they're doing it with the quarterback they both drafted in the <laughs> second round of the 2014 draft. Just, I don't know. I, I, I'm a sucker for that type of symmetry, and uh, it exists. Yeah, the, the old, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, like, really- and again, it means absolutely nothing. I just find it remarkable that they've, they've operated in this kind of exact trajectory. Um, anyway. It is all amusing how it all just seems to intertwine together there. And yeah, that, that connection with the the Raiders now and the Saints. I'm I'm curious to to know what the Raider Nation is going to think of this signing for them because obviously the injury factor is a huge for Jimmy Garoppolo, but are they looking at this now as oh, we're bringing in a winner because if you look at his, you know, his postseason even success. Yeah, it is funny too. Like it's like you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and he has a great record. He's been to the <laughs> NFC Championship multiple times. He's been when to he's a around, Super Bowl. right? And then you have Derek Carr, who's the opposite, who has a career losing record, but clearly people believe he is a better quarterback in terms of talent. Uh, but he hasn't proved it. Yeah, it, it's an interesting comparison, and it'll be one you you will make down the road uh, based on kind of where they've come from and where they've gone. And yeah, hopefully the Saints got the better end of that kind of transition there. There won't be any excuses for Carr, obviously, now either. Obvi- considering that the Saints have been known as this defensive ball club. He hasn't played with a defense, you know, that wasn't worth, I forget what did our, what did our guests say? That hasn't been good since he was like a, a junior in high school. Yeah, that, that was great. Um, grade, yeah. So, so, you know, now coming to this defensive focus squad, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what Carr can do because the, the numbers and his performance over the years 
obviously there there were some some down notes, but when you when you're constantly having to play from behind, that means a lot too. So uh, yeah, it's just a fresh new start was needed, and I, I really the more and more it sinks in for me, I, I love this this move for the Saints, and I think that in even looking at the contract, in the end, this is going to be a pretty decent deal for them. Well, we're going to find out, right? It's going to come down to what happens on the field, and that's a good right. kind of segue into the rest of this podcast, which is going to be all Derek Carr. It's going to be all Derek Carr. So we don't need to talk about it anymore here. So let's wrap this segment up. We're going to come back with a lot of audio, and we're going to play for you kind of our top picks for for quotes from his about 170 minutes of talking um, on Saturday in his introductory press conference. So this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. If you have not hit the subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening, please do that. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a rating and a review. Really do appreciate it. Uh, helps us kind of know what we're doing, what we're doing well, what we're doing wrong, what you want to hear more of, what we want to hear less of. If you hate scrunchies, I don't know. Whatever you want to say, put it in there and I'll and I'll read it and you know maybe agree with it, maybe not. But that's the whole that's the whole part of the game, right? Help us help you, or if you wanna just bashes go ahead too we'll take it help us help us help you yeah something that kind of something like that all right keep it locked in inside black and gold